The wait is over. New episodes of The Walking Dead Season 10 are premiering early February 21st on AMC+. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring six new episodes, each focused on fan-favorite characters. Prepare for all new high-stakes showdowns and emotional reckonings by catching up on the latest season before new episodes drop. With season binges, exclusive content, and early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today. Available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC+, only the good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into Entertainment. This is the business of entertainment. He's been in the entertainment. Yeah, we're going to talk today to Jeff Stearns, who started off as an actor. Then he shifted to a producer. Now he's an executive at one of the most important Latino companies in Hollywood, potentially all over the world, because Mario Lopez is a uh, world-renowned host-actor producer. But uh, he's running now VMR, which is a very important company. We're going to talk to him about a lot of stuff. So, welcome to Let's Get Into Entertainment. This is the business of entertainment, Tootie. That's right. That's right. Who are you? And I'm Mark Roberts, and you're Tootie, and this is Davy Day. The ones and twos. We're doing this out of uh, Universal today, which is really cool. It's where we started about over a year ago. But today's a very special day because we're going to get your pens and pencils out because we're going to be talking to Jeff Stearns, who is an executive at VMR, the company that is run and owned and operated by Mario Lopez. And you never know, on this show, on this podcast, you may hear what they're looking for and it may be what you're writing. You never know. You sound like uh, the Universal Tour Guide. That's right, because you used to work here. But I feel kind of like... That was kind of a dick move. I thought he was going to say this is very special because I'm back. You are After, back. It's also very special because you are back, you know Tootie. I'm going to go. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Jesus. Very, very you, I see you got, touchy. You got your pencil ready. Don't I've got my pen. pen. I can't wait to hear what Mario Lopez and Jeff Stearns are producing next. You never know. It might be one of my ideas. And it might be one of yours. A lot of stuff. So welcome, Jeff Stearns. What up, Stearnsios? What's up? Um, the really cool thing about this table today is that we're all buddies. We've mm. been friends for a long time. Jeff was in the uh, Casa Mexico video uh, that we did like six, seven years ago. Yeah. He was in Pretty the good amazing. life. Remember he, he did, did a little life. cameo? I did do a little, little cameo. That's that was right. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're all buds. We've been, we've been around the block. But what's been really interesting about this year is this year there seems to be a shift in what everyone's doing. You know, you're now an executive at VMR, which is a very important Latin American company here in, in Hollywood. And you guys are doing some amazing stuff, which we'll get into. But more importantly, we want to hear about where you came from, because people that listen love to hear the origins of how people turn left and right. And I'm assuming you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth and uh, you were you went straight into acting when you were a little baby, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if it was silver spoon, but. We had a good middle-class upbringing, me and my brother. Uh, grew up in uh, the Valley in Los Angeles. I was a pretty good student, you know, growing up. I would have guessed that. You're a smart guy. Oh, well, thank you. Pops had some influential friends I know of. Pops had <laughs> some influential friends, and we can talk a little bit about that, too. But I was always a bit of a, I was always a reader. From very early on, I sort of liked to... I had more friends that were books than were people. Really? Um you know, and so... Um, Any favorites when you were a kid? 
like Super Fudge and that was a good, uh, you know, those, <laughs> that was a good you know, book. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I liked it because everybody used to call me Fedge because yeah. Jeff and they flipped that around and all that stuff. I think, but as I got older, you know, I was I, I was more curious about stuff. I spent a lot of time in the mirror using my imagination to create stories. And so then I would, uh, I'd read books that kind of filled in those spots and adventure tales, I guess. And then when I got uh, into my early teens, I s- sort of started to become interested in um, more classic literature and yeah. philosophy and psychology and things like that. That thing kind of continued in my life now. And so where I'm trying to like pull ideas from, they usually come from, yeah. they always sort of come from that. You know, that's interesting because coming of age, right? Coming of age is great genre. You have and the catcher in the rye and the, things like that. And there's that some, everybody reads when they're younger. Yeah, people look, because everybody can relate, except for one person at this table does not believe in coming of age films. And I know Davey Dave loves them, so I'm going to leave that open at that. Davey Dave is still coming of age. He is still, he's, he's, <laughs> hey, he's a hip-hop James Dean. Oh, <laughs> he's got his sunglasses on indoors right now. That's what's you know, up. That's what's up. You know, a lot of us daydreamed as kids, you know. We, we, we had a lot of time on our hands. Oh, wait, Mario Lopez. Oh. Special guest. Up, man. <laughs> Special guest. Special Mario guest. Lopez just walked Mario in. Lopez. Hey, we're going to have to put the whole thing on hold for a second. We'll, uh, we'll be right back right after this uh, Mario Lopez break. <laughs> so we were interrupted by something... Very interesting. I think I think I should let it's you like, guys welcome know. Welcome to a day in my life when yeah. I'm in my office. Interrupted by Mario Lopez. Yeah, Jeff Stearns, uh, who runs Mario Lopez's uh, empire, his company that does television, that does film, <laughs> that does he said empire. non-scripted, right? He does all this stuff. So anyway, Mario walks in. Of course, he sees Jeff sitting here, and he immediately starts a meeting about the new ideas that we're presenting and he's presenting for uh, new Christmas movies. They're talking about how to, uh, you know, get those out when they're going to be out. So that took about 20 minutes. David, Dave, was that a complicated conversation? Do you think it was, it was embarrassing because uh, <laughs> uh, he, he wanted to know why Stearns was sitting down in the first place. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but it's, inter- it's interesting because not all development is like all calm and creative, right? Some development gets a little heated and everyone has ideas and Jeff, you have your ideas and Mario has his. What is your job there? Like, do you have to convince him or at least get him to understand your point of view? You know, there's a communal business. And so it's a lot of creative people that come in and have different ideas about certain things. You know, Mario has a specific things that turn him on. You know, he likes family stuff. He likes comedy. He uh, he likes the Christmas movies yeah. and, and all that. And uh, so, yeah, you take that into account. But you're also like, for me, when I came in here, I, I think one of the things that I try to sell him on is that we should, you know, also look bigger in a sense, you know, and there's some stuff out there that we can tackle that maybe hasn't been tackled before. And he has such a big outreach. When you have a good company, you try to find the things that excite you that excite Mario, that excite you, Roberts, because we work together too. And you try to meld those things together and, fi- and, and try to find a way how to blend them together to do something that everybody thinks is worthwhile. What's remarkable about what you guys are doing, and, um, and I know that you're the driver in a lot of these things, is that you guys are working across the board on scripted with some pretty important actors and writers and you're working in non, non-scripted with some pretty important people, and you're working in documentaries. I mean, you really, did, when you took the job, were you thinking that you were going to be involved in all of these different aspects of the business? Because it's not just one lane. You guys are in a bunch of lanes. I think I hope to. You know, I, I think I hope to. 
I know. I think people like recognize that Mario has a people view him in a certain way. So he's been a host, very successful, and I know that he's talked about that. You know, he wanted to be the Latino Dick Clark, and I think Ryan Seacrest has uh, paved the way for kind of expanding out from hosting a radio show to, you know, doing TV stuff with American Idol, and then he uh, he also was a producer of shows. But I sort of saw it as like Mario has a a bigger audience in the sense of Latino viewership yeah. across the board is bigger. Getting the opportunity to uh, tell stories and um, uh, put stuff on TV, and especially with NBC Universal here, that is so good about being behind us. It, it, it's really an opportunity to tell some stuff that hasn't been seen on TV before, and so not only doing the fun stuff, but we also want to do some stuff that, that we think is important, yeah. you know, that we think is important. Well, it's pretty cool. Can I mention some of the stuff that you guys are working on? Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are working on a Oscar de la Hoya documentary, yeah. uh, which Mario is directing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that is with Mark Wahlberg's company, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. enormous. I mean, you're talking about right, the highest level of our business. Yeah. You guys, uh, Ashley Garcia was part of, uh, you know, the beginnings of, of, of when you started. Um, we did Feliz Navidad oh. during your tenure, which is pretty cool. And what else is happening? You guys are developing some stuff with, um, with Universal as well, right? Yeah, we, well, all those, a lot of those are with Universal, but uh, uh, we're also doing Menudo. Um, the band, yeah. Menudo, we're bringing them back. Legendary. And, uh, legendary band, Menudo. And so we're doing a, uh, a music competition competition show that uh with audrey morrissey from the voice who created the voice Amazing. nbc's backing it and uh we got a good team together and we're gonna do that one as well and that's kind of the thing that um i think we're trying to do look we're not trying to like push the envelope with um oh we want to be latino oh we want to be this i think mario's a good example of like that it is he's universally loved but he comes from a certain background that is his background. Yeah. And here he is again. Oh, he's going to interrupt again. Now, what else do we have to do? What, I'm sorry. What did we forget to do? Like if you don't see me back, ask it. Da-da-da-da. See, so da-da-da-da is part of the vernacular. We were interrupted yet again, and uh, Tootie had to leave, so now Tootie's back. I mean, this is part of the problem of sh- you know, doing the podcast here at Universal is that these guys have work to do, so I guess it's it's a positive thing, right? Yeah, it's still during the it's, it's all, work hours. It's all part of it, work hours. All right, we've talked enough about what VMR is doing. VMR is doing some amazing stuff across the board with film, with television, with non-scripted, with documentary, pretty much everything. Now, what we, what we haven't said, which is very true, is that the reach that you guys have as a company into all of the players, the producers, the actors, the writers, the, um, the directors is pretty vast. And it's not just Latino, but the, the beautiful part about what you're doing is that you actually reach out to Latinos and you unite them. A lot of us Mexican-Americans are in a fight with each other in this business, but somehow Mario keeps is, is the one gray area where you're like, hey, I'm going to go. That's a safe place. I'm going to go work with him. And if he says I got to work with this other person I hate, I'm going to do that, too. So that's a, very, that's a very cool thing about what you're doing. But let's go back to mm. you're in high school mm. and, hey. and you're 
foray into the business is that you start that you're in plays or you have an acting class. How did that get started that you became an actor? I had a little trouble in high school. What kind of trouble? Like just stealing sandwiches or something? Or? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was you, Gordo. You were still yeah. sandwiches. <laughs> Dude, I did steal I've been sandwiches. stealing sandwiches lately. Dude, I'd put on my hoodie and the guy behind me would be in the speed line taking like all the kinds of stuff, putting in my hoodie. I'd walk out, pay for like a soda. That's smart. And, yeah, right. We'd end up with all kinds of stuff. Anyway, what were you doing? What kind of trouble are you getting in? Can you talk about that? Um, I mean, it doesn't matter now. You're, in, you're, you're a respectable older gentleman. I married. don't know about respectable, but <laughs> definitely um, older. What kind of trouble were you getting in? I mean, like trouble enough to get you put in jail. Oh, shit. Okay. Like juvie or like jail, jail? Oh, juvie. So you're going to juvie and then maybe jail, jail. Uh-oh. Okay. So this, I'll tell you this. I was in a drama class. After I got thrown out of school, my drama teacher said to me, she said, I think you should pursue this. And she uh, connected me with a well-renowned acting teacher in Los Angeles that was teaching a lot of young actors that are now super famous. Jessica Biel and Masterson. And Amazing. There was a few there. I was kind of always the one that was not wanting to be an actor, but was sort of the other guy. Fun. That makes sense. The reluctant actor always seems to be the one that makes it. You're like the, the Matt Dillon, right? You, dude, you know what? You looked like him, too, back Matt then. They used to say that. Yeah, you know, you they, used to, they used to say that. They go, oh, you remind me of Matt Dillon. And then I actually, years later, I ran into Matt Dillon at, at Skybarrow in the bathroom one time. I think he was doing coke and whatever. <laughs> but I rolled up to him, and I go, hey, man, I'm in this acting class right now. Everybody tells me they, uh, they think I remind you, you know, that I remind them of you. And he goes, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I said, you want to take this outside? So it was kind of like that kind of vibe always with me. It's funny because the way that I met Mario was that I got in troubled school and I got kind of thrown out of the schools that I was at. And they put me into this homeschooling. They have continuation schools for kids that are bad and all that stuff. It's called remedial. Yeah, they have. Well, there's remedial versions of it, but (laughs) they have continuation schools. I mean, like, you know. All right. One of the acting teachers that I went and saw, she suggested that I try to get into an acting school. And so there's a school in Valencia, California called Californians to the Arts. Yeah, beautiful school. It's very, very elite. And I went there and they let me in. They oh. let you in? Yeah, they let me in. I don't know why. <laughs> they didn't come in. Oh, let you're a in. criminal? <laughs> oh, you went to remedial education? Come on over here. Was, we need really one of those. good actor, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was like some James Dean, Marlon Brando shit. I was like, I was pulling from pain, I you know, that. the whole thing. I you know, since that. memory, I was using the Strasbourg and the, you know, all that stuff. And they thought I was really interesting. I didn't think I was interesting. I thought that I was like fucking hurt or whatever it was. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of good actors come from that space. So you ended up getting an agent and a manager, the whole so, yeah, thing, right? So I went there and I was there for a year. I learned a lot. It was terrific. Um, it was great. Got kicked out. I got kicked out. No, for, you did it. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yo, that shit was, by the way, that was $25,000 a year at the time. This is back in the late 90s, mid 90s. $25,000 a year to go there. My father was paying for it because he was like, Jesus. Mm. This is your only shot, kid. (laughs) I hope you're as good as you I hope you're as good as you say you are. After the first year, I screwed up, got in a fight with somebody, and I knew that I was about to be kicked out. And so I called this old acting coach and I said, I know you told me that you want to manage me a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Because I haven't told my dad yet that I'm about to get kicked out of this shit. I'm going to get my ass whooped. And I said, if you still want me, (laughs) I need to make some money pretty soon because my dad is going to whoop my ass. 
And he goes, okay, I'll take you. And so before even I told my dad that I was getting thrown out of leaving, leaving the school, I, I remember calling him and I said, hey, pops, uh, yeah, CalArts isn't going to work out. It's been really good. I think they're going to kick me out. And he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm going to kill you. And I go, oh, but the good news is I got an agent. <laughs> was he happy to hear that? No. 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 He no, thought, he, no. He, he knew was the pissed. business. Yeah, he was pissed. He yeah. goes, oh, you're a loser. And I said, just let me, uh, just give me a minute and I'll show you. And three weeks later, I got my first job. Which was on? Uh, the first job I got was a show on Fox. It was called uh, Hope Street. I remember Hope Street. It was with Richard Roundtree. Yeah. Tatiana Ali. And I got, that was my first job. I played a rapist. Nice. I can see that. Hey, let me ask you something. Was it hard to be in a professional setting with like people making money and getting paid to do what they're doing? And then you walk in with all this talent. Obviously it was a God given talent that you had, but so you walk into the set, was it hard to sort of assimilate to the professional setting when you hadn't been in it? Or did you just, was it like a fish to water? It was definitely difficult. I mean, it was, uh, you're playing catch up essentially, you know, everyone else knows they know, and you don't feel like you belong, you know? And at that time too, I was really young. I didn't feel like I was talented. I didn't understand. I didn't understand what they, what they saw in me. Right. It just felt to me like I was just emoting or talking or, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. You feel like most of us feel like you feel like you're a fraud. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that is the truth. Yeah. And so when they, when you go in for the first scene or whatever, and they're talking about, Hey, you got a banana in and hit your mark and, <laughs> you know, find your light and then make sure that you don't look at the camera and all this. I was like, I don't know what the fuck any of these people are talking about. <laughs> I'm just going to like step on that fluorescent yellow line on the ground and I'm going to say the lines and I hope that it looks good. I mean, that's kind of where I was at. It was working out. And then when I got done with it, they were like, God damn, that was brilliant. <laughs> You're brilliant. And I was like, I you don't know why. Because yeah. I don't want. So you did that. Then you got onto a soap opera for a year. I got on a soap for a year. I hated it. Um, it felt like a nine to five job. Well, because it's a lot of work, right? You get your, you, you, get, your, you get your sides and you get your changes like minutes before you're going to go on. Yeah. So you had to, so uh, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of the reading and a lot of your interest in literature helped when it came to that kind of stuff. It did. But at the same time, you look at it and you read the script and you go, this shit this is <laughs> awful. <laughs> I would never this say is that. not. This is definitely not worth it. Did they let you improvise in soaps or you got to go? No, I don't no, know no, if they no. let me, but I did. You, uh, you do the soap opera, you leave the soap opera, and then an opportunity comes up that, unbeknownst to you, Mario Lopez also has the same opportunity, right? Which is Pacific Blue. Yeah. So you go read for this and they offer you the part and you say, No. <laughs> <laughs> so he turns it down. I was doing really well at the time. My agent was telling me, Yo, man. You're the next James Dean. You could do movies. You're about to blow up right now. So you got that look. So you're like, <laughs> you're no way. brooding, all that <laughs> stuff. I was like, am I? I guess I am. Okay, that's trippy. And they go, but they want to hire you. You're 19 years old. They're going to give you a shit ton of money for the next five years. Do you want to do it? And I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. And so I said, go back to them and ask them for more money. If they want to pay me more money, then we'll talk about it. So over the course of that, I get a call from Mario, who were friends on the side. You Did know, you know he was up for a part? No, had no okay. idea. No, had no clue. So Mario calls me out of the blue because our girlfriends are friends and all that. And he calls me out of the blue. He goes, hey, um, hey, Holmes, hey, my, uh, he goes, hey, uh, 
So I hear that you're up for the other role for Pacific Blue. Bro, let's do this shit together. He goes, hey, let's get an apartment down by the beach. We'll live together. It'll be so fun. Oh, my you God. Know, Dude, it sounds stuff. fun now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this whole thing. And uh, I was like, well, I don't know. I'll see. You. And he goes, oh, come on. Stop being a. And like what Mario always does, he convinced me to do it. And I, I said, yes. And he was right. It was really fun <laughs> for two years. So two years. So then, but more importantly, did they come back with more money? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, so not yeah, only yeah. did he convince you, but they, but then you got the call that they're going to give you more money. Yeah. It wasn't as much money as he was making, but it was, it uh, was like fifth. It was like spring break for two years. I'm <laughs> sure. So we're 20 years later. 20 years later. Okay. What happens? Lopez is actually interviewing this. Oh this yeah. Fighter. At the yeah radio. This female yeah. fighter. I, I don't know what she was, but you know, it was the interview was going good. And uh, towards the end of the interview, Stearns is, Stearns is in there. And we said, Hey, do you recognize Mario? She knew who he was, obviously, but from Saved by the Bell. And she's like, Nah, she was from Norway, right? Yeah, Norway. And she goes, Yeah, Saved by the Bell, really, you know, we were not too much over there. Pacific Blue, though. And then we, we turn and look at Stearns' yo's and we go, Wait, Stearns was on the show. And she goes, You were? She was like, her face changed. No, and she goes, wait, who were you? And then you said your name of your character. And dude, it was like, what the? She she started blushing. She was starstruck. Because she was very much the whole time, very poised, very like, you know, stoic, kind of like doing the interview. She like lost her shit. She was was like, oh my God. Where was she from? She was from Norway. 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 She got so excited. And she even asked you for a picture. Can I take a picture with you? It turns like, yeah, he got up, and then, then that's when we said, we're it's going it. to Norway. Nice. Ah! Lopez aside. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that goes to show you the reach of a show. I think at that time, I had aspirations of, like, the aspirations of hope. You know, when you're a young actor, and I think this uh, can cross over to young writers and producers and all of that. You know, you're hopeful. You you have this idea that if you're somebody that grew up anywhere in America and you move to L.A., which takes a lot of guts to do because you think that you have a higher calling, essentially. You're a great writer or whatever it is. I think that we all have that at a young age. And then what you find out is that this is a business. And sometimes you have to figure out how good is your calling and what are you willing to do for it. For me, at the time... I knew that the show was what it was, but when we had lunch, when we had uh, breaks, when we had after filming or it was overtime or whatever it was, I wasn't really hanging out with actors. I was hanging out with the directors and the lighting crew and the writers and all of the stuff to try to figure out like how are shows built? How are movies built? What does it take to do all of this? And that was something that like set me on my way of, it's not about who you hire. It's about how many you hire and how many of them are really good at what they do. And that was something that was important and that sticks with me now too. You end up gravitating to the things that you want to do. And I think you were gravitating to what was interesting to you. Would you watch the shows that you were an actor in and think this could be done better? Or would you think the production of, I kind of know where this went wrong or where it went right? Yeah, I think everybody does. I think that if you're a creator, I don't even think it's limited to just actors. Producers look at stuff and go, that could have, we could have shot that differently. Directors do that. Robert's uh, don't do that. He's, 
That's amazing. Robert's it's like, all beautiful. Hey, we this is great. It, it was amazing. Per- this is beautiful. Move on. Let's go. Sunshines and rainbows. I do love a good uh, shoot coming in on time. I do. It's, there's no lie there. So you do. So you do Pacific Blue. You have a great time. Obviously, you and Mario bond during that period. The show ends. Was it a bummer when it ended? Were you like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Thank God. You didn't have to wear those shorts anymore? What? I don't have those shorts anymore. <laughs> I mean, the money was, was good, but uh, no, no. I st- again, I still had the aspirations like, whew, I'm going to now do some goddamn movies. Yeah. You know, I'm in my 40s now. But yeah. I was 18 when I got that job. Right. My friends that I grew up with were in college. But at the time, when somebody gives you that opportunity at that early age to be on a broadcast that not only airs in america but airs all over the world like Tootie was talking about with that you start thinking to yourself i'm special did you feel any sense of failure when it was canceled or you just felt like lucky to? no be it wasn't on me right. i didn't give a shit about that okay all right so look let's fast forward a little bit this was an awesome trip down memory lane i think the the one thing that we all have in common everyone on the show sometimes you turn left sometimes you turn right and your opportunities come up and they're surprising if you don't ride the horse in the direction it's going you lose an opportunity so i think it's really important to think and to realize that whether you're good in school or bad in school or run into trouble or have difficulties whatever it is you can end up doing what you want to do with your life just by sticking with it and taking the opportunities that that are in front of you and sometimes it takes a friend to say, hey, let's go do this together to change the course of your life and get you noticed in Norway. Pacific Blue ends. What happens next? I had a friend of mine that like killed himself in front of me Ugh. and I was traumatized by it. So when you dealt with the death of your friend and eventually came to terms with it, where did you want to go from there? Anywhere that was Hollywood, anywhere that reminded me of storytelling, any of that stuff. How long uh, did you take off? Yeah. Uh, probably five years. It's a long time. So, you, so when you came back, you were like, I just want to be in it. I want to be where we were. I want to be part of the industry. I want to be doing stuff. I thought that I had a story to tell afterwards, you know, when I got together with a production company. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did some independent films. We did some short films. We um, submitted them into, we went to Cannes. You know, making some stuff that uh, we submitted to film festival stuff. And yeah. we won a lot. Realized that we were pretty good at this. And that kind of like pushed us in the direction of let's do independent films. Let's yeah. raise some money. Let's do that kind of thing. We made three films after that. We raised money. We made money back. We paid back our investors, and uh, which is difficult nowadays. Very difficult. Very difficult tough nowadays. Yeah. Me and Mario started talking again. Yeah. I said, I think I can get your company or... I think we can do better stuff. Just to get clear about what happened. So you left the acting behind, threw yourself into producing, creating ideas, raising money, working with other directors, working with other writers, and produced some high quality product that ended up going to festivals and winning awards to the point where you decided this is the vocation. This is where I'm going. And you're definitely very smart at story. You're very, uh, you're an incredible businessman. You have um, a knack for communicating and being uh, very personable so that you're able to deal with lawyers. You're able to deal with heads of other studios. You're able to deal with 
uh, the business part of the business as well as the creative part. So you do have a lot to offer in that area. So I think that marriage was a great marriage for, for VMR, for Mario, for yourself. And now you guys, as we have talked about before, you now you guys have gone into doing documentaries, television, non-scripted, kind of the, 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 the gamut. So, so yeah, dude, congratulations. I mean, that's, a, that's an incredible road to take to end up here and, and to be doing all of the cool work that you're doing. So I think that your road has been inspiring and it's been complicated, but let's be honest. I think the key to all of this is that we're not frauds, you know, we're people that should believe in our inner voice, which is you're important and your ideas are important and they will fit somewhere. The real thing is what you're trying to come across is the why. Why are y'all doing this? Why is anybody trying to make something creative, something inside of them? We're all always wondering what the why is. When I was a kid and doing all that, you know, when I was in the mirror and all that stuff, I didn't know why I was had the imagination and all that shit to do it. I don't know. It just felt right. I was curious. People that typically ask the question why are curious. When I, I'm now luckily in the position to where I get to talk to the people at the studio. Here at NBC Universal, you know, when I was a kid growing up and like trying to make it in the business, the heads of departments at NBC Universal, I could never talk to them. What are you, crazy? We don't get those opportunities. We try to get with a cast director or we try to go through all, the, all of that. Because you wonder what it's like when you actually get to that level to where you get to talk to people that make decisions for these big companies. But it always comes back to, why are you doing this? What inside of you is doing this? Is it creativity? Is it pain from your childhood? Is it feeling lonely? Is it, you know, that you're an artist that is trying to get your stuff out? And the thing that I've discovered in the last year, talking to people at Network is... They're exactly the same way because the first thing they say is, why are you doing what you're doing and why are we doing it now? And if you can answer those two questions, we can give you millions of dollars to make your the shit that you imagined in your closet or in your bedroom as a kid, we'll give you the money to make those things and put them on TV. But you have to be able to answer that question. And that with this, that's what this business is about. It ain't about the rat. It ain't about like who you got to talk to who's going to give you money. It ain't about like trying to coordinate with a bunch of different people with ideas and all that stuff. For me, I never doubt that I'm right in my opinion. I listen. I'm always available to listen to other people's opinions, but I believe in my own also. It is the thing that keeps me moving forward is that I believe in the ideas that I have and I think they should be on TV or I think somebody should hear them. And when you find somebody at a studio or somebody in power that says, I agree with you, that's the key. But be honest. Do the stuff that when you were a kid kept you in your room. Don't do the stuff that you heard on the playground. And that's all I'll say. Now I know why you went to CalArts. <laughs> The Thalberg, Thalberg Award. Thalberg yeah. Award. I know that there's lots more coming from you, lots more coming from VMR. I'm sure that we're going to get to do uh, at least one movie next year. Not sure what that will be yet, but I know it will be one. 
Uh, but thank you for being on. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for. And you need to get back it. into acting, Stearns. You fucking had us all on the edge of our seat right now, you <laughs> motherfucker. That I was didn't a, know yeah, what he real. was going to say. Thought, I thought we were going to go one way and you went another way, and then I, li- I, I listened to every word. Well, I think, and I also think that it's important to you know to dig deep. You know, if you're if you're a deep thinker and you and you're complicated and your ideas are complicated, lay them out there, man. It's okay. Concept. High concept. Hey, uh, thanks for being here, dude. Appreciate thanks, you. Guys. Appreciate having you. Thanks, player. And, uh, I just want to shout out to streammusic.com. I don't want to sound like a broken record because, you know, we, we uh, constantly talk about extreme. I just delivered a movie to Netflix this week, and it was amazing how my life got saved by extrememusic.com. There was a bunch of songs in my movie that I could not deliver, that I could not license, Oh, and, really? Yeah. And I had to deliver this movie within a couple of days. Can we talk about the movie or no? And not yet. And, and I'll, announce, I'll announce it next week or the week after, but I had to replace a lot of songs. And if I hadn't have gone to extrememusic.com, it would not have been possible. Russ Emanuel made me an amazing deal. I replaced a lot of stuff. I just want to thank Russ, you know, uh, because... Holy mackerel, dude. If there wasn't a service like ExtremeMusic.com, I just don't think I could have done it. Did you use music not knowing? You just said, oh, let's just fucking put in the Beatles or let's put in the Rolling Stones. You know what? It's funny you say that because there was a Beatles song in there. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was was a couple of songs that were, there was a Morrissey song. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're talking about, you know, $30,000 for a song. What was interesting about it is a lot of times when you make a movie, you put whatever music you want and then you replace it later. A composer goes, oh, I'll do a sound alike or I'll do something like that or I get what you're going for. Right. And then the composer takes over and that's if you have a lu- the luxury of time. Yeah. Now, I had to deliver this because Netflix wants it now. Yeah. Shout out to Russ Emanuel, to ExtremeMusic.com for always being there for our movies, Tootie. Davey Dave. I love it. It's a lot of it. Made in Mexico is a yeah, pretty much almost. All and uh, and if you want to, uh, you know, rent Love and Betrayal on the Force, every song in Love and Betrayal on the Force was from ExtremeMusic.com. Now every we single use Love and Betrayal. I'm anyway, 2020. very true. Shout out to Extreme Music. We'll see you next time. On Let's get into entertainment. The business of entertainment, Tootie. That's good, Roberts. You finally get the fucking title right after ten years. <laughs> Thanks, Turnzios. 